Welcome, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Renegade Detroit Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Burgess, professional real estate investor, permaculture and urban farmer, curmudgeon, skeptic, and Kelly Williams agent. What is Renegade Detroit Investors? RDI is a local real estate investment and business group that meets monthly at various locations throughout Metro Detroit. This group is about networking and doing deals. The St. Your Grandma's Rhea, folks. No guru bullshit from the front. No smell of steel coffee, bin gay, and or disappointment. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Crying eyes in the corner. RDI is also this podcast where multiple times a week we got shows for you and I sit down with interesting people. And this week I'm finishing up the review on The One Thing by Gary Keller. Uh, And if you enjoy this podcast, this is where I beg you to do things to help me. I appreciate it. So if you haven't already, if you can go on iTunes, I know they make it a pain in the ass to do this, but I didn't design this shit, man. Go on iTunes, rate and review the podcast on iTunes really does help ton of you are sharing it. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. But I'm still catching a lot of you guys sharing it, which is cool. But if you share it from the Renegade Detroit Investor page or one of the other podcast partners page, I can see it and I can thank you. But regardless, thank you. I really do appreciate it. All that stuff really does help. All right. Go to RenegadeDetroit.com. You have any uh, comments, questions, or suggestions, go to meetup.com forward slash Renegade Detroit Investors or Facebook.com forward slash Detroit Investment Club. You can hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at Jeremy Burgess. You can go to youtube.com forward slash user forward slash Detroit wholesalers. All right. Legal disclaimer. In no way, shape, or form should anything that I and or my guests or books I'm reading or any other damn thing be taken as legal and or investment advice. We highly recommend that before you make any investment decision or decisions, you grow the fuck up and uh, you do your learning, you be an adult, and you act like one, and perhaps contact a lawyer and or attorney and other licensed professionals. We think you should be an adult, and don't sue me. All right, time for the Renegade Detroit Investors Show Quote of the Week, where I pick a quote that sets the tone for the podcast and hopefully your week. And this one I really like. It's by William Shakespeare. In delay, there lies no plenty. In delay, there lies no plenty. Hmm. Profits a man, nothing to wait, does it? Action. All right. So what we're doing is we are wrapping up a review. It's a re- it was a read-along and a review of The One Thing by Gary Keller. A little short book. I need a little bit of a break and get myself back on track. However, I kind of like doing this, so I think I might keep doing it. I'll still bring in the guests, but I think I might do this as well because I actually read a book and then you start reading a book, then you have to highlight the book and then we talk about the stuff that we highlighted and then we get to the end of the book, which we did last week. I'm like, well, crap, we better talk about these notes now that I took. So then I got to type up the notes. Then I got to proofread the notes, which by the way, all these uh, notes, there'll be a link in the show notes. If you want to download this, I think it ended up being eight pages of typed notes single space. So that's why I think I'm going to keep doing it. Uh, helping you guys out in this book review, helping me out too, you know, just one of those things. So without further ado, if you're enjoying this, let's uh, go into it. So this is the final review. If you're too lazy to listen to me, read you the book or to read the book along, um, this is the part where you can just kind of, kind of tune in for the things that I thought were important. Now, that being said, I encourage you while while we're reading this together, and if you're just coming to this one, maybe go back and start at number one, which I think was um, podcast 69, is um, start. Because we're not all going to highlight the same things, right? We're not all going to be in the same place in life. We're not all going to have the same concerns. So this is certainly not what, this is not what I think is the most important stuff out of the book. This is just the stuff that spoke to me 
for whatever reason. Right. So, and since I'm the one reading it, I try and um, uh, see if it can apply to you too, but you need to go read it too. And you need to highlight your own stuff. And I bet we have a lot of overlap, but there's going to be some things that are different. So it's worth doing. All right. So let's start with uh, chapter one right here. So all I did is I went through and I typed up um, everything that I highlighted while we were reading the book. So chapter one of the one thing, these are the notes I have for chapter one. Uh, For all the dedication and hard work, my life was in turmoil and it felt as if everything was crumbling around me. I was failing. Yeah, highlight that right off the bat. That's that's kind of what it feels like to me right now, you know? Um, Where I'd had huge success, I had narrowed my concentration to one thing, and where my success varied, my focus had two. I'm sure we all see that, right? We all notice that um, when you try and do too many things at once and you can't put enough time into one thing and then the, the things you actually have time to invest the time in, or you make the time to invest in, you do better at. Yeah. It's realizing that extraordinary results are deter- are directly determined by how narrow you can make your focus. And this is something it gets into later in the book. We was talking about, you got to say no to a lot of stuff to become a master of something that 10,000 hours he's talking about. That's a lot of no. And a lot of yes to your one thing, right? The problem with trying to do too much, this is so me, is that even if it works, adding more to your work and your life without cutting anything brings a lot of bad with it. Missed deadlines, disappointing results, high stress, long hours, lost sleep, poor diet, hmm, no exercise, and missed moments with family and friends, all in the name of going after something that is easier to get than you might imagine. I'm going to read that again. It's mostly for me, but maybe this is you. Cause that's how I tend to till very, very lately. I tackle all my problems. I'll just do more, right? I'm, I'm, I have a lot of energy and that is definitely an asset. However, it's, it's a poor, it's a poor lever when um, things aren't working. You can't just always do more work to improve it or to scale, right? The problem with trying to do too much is that even if it works, adding more to your work and your life without cutting anything brings a lot of bad with it. Missed deadlines, the RDI website I don't have done. Disappointing results, uh, personal life, lots of, some of my work life too. High stress, for sure. Long hours, yeah. Lost sleep, yeah, for sure of late, right? Poor diet, yes. No exercise, less than it should be. And missed moments with family and friends, all in the name of going after something that's easier to get than you might imagine. So that really spoke to me. Chapter two. And I only had... Um, Some chapters I highlighted more than others. So chapter two. So every day they line up their priorities anew, find the lead domino and whack away at it until it falls. I don't know if you remember about this. He's talking about Pareto's law, the 80-20, which is not always 80-20. Sometimes it's 10-90, where there's some, some very small percentage of your work or your effort that accounts disproportionately for your results, Um, commonly referred to as the 80-20 rule. And Gary tries to take it down to just one thing, right? Start big, go small, right? So he wants you to think you're one thing for your life and then break your life in the years, years in the months, months in the weeks, weeks in the days. So you know what your lead domino is and whack away at it. So, and they plan, um, they have the priorities and they plan this in advance. So what is my lead domino today? And they just don't stop until they, uh, until they get it. All right, moving on. The key is over time, success is built sequentially. It's done one thing at a time. How many of you are as impatient as I am? 
I don't, I don't even know the answer to that question. I am so impatient. Sometimes it's fucking embarrassing. I always feel like I should be doing more. I always feel like I should be doing 16 things at the same time. And no matter what I get done in a day, I always feel like I should have got more done. I have to remind myself constantly that it's the sum of small efforts over time, right? Or in this case, he's talking about the key is over time. Success is built sequentially and done one thing at a time. You can't do 10 things at a time. And it has to be the 10 right things done sequentially in the right order too, right? So just a flurry of activity, kind of like back at chapter one, just do more. Um, why that doesn't always work either. You can only do one thing at a time. So, all right. Chapter three. No one succeeds alone. No one. We already knew that. No one fails alone either, right? He does mention that later in the book. Um, we can't do it all our own. You, even if you, you're a one-man business, you ask, you have customers. You have to help, right? You have to add value to these customers or you don't have a business. So if your customers aren't seeing the value and what you're offering or the services you're offering and the product or whatever it is you're doing, you're selling or you're offering um, – then you're not going to succeed and you're going to fail. So you fail with them or you succeed with them, right? Better results generally lead to more enjoyment and more passion and uh, more as more time is invested. Better results generally lead to more enjoyment and more passion as more time is invested. It can be a virtuous cycle all the way to an extraordinary results, right? Think about it. You start working out. You only do like 30 push-ups, and you're all hurt for like, fucking two weeks, right? But if you just keep at it pretty soon, you got your push-ups up to 100. Pretty soon you're knocking out 100, 150 a day. And now you kind of like doing it because it's not as hard as it used to be. You just hop out there and you just get after it, right? Same thing. You uh, start out doing cold calls and you really suck. You get the go fuck yourself, never call me again, right? And you're like, oh God, people hate me. Um, depending on the kind of person you are, you're going to have a hard time with this and others. But uh you keep doing it and you turn these people around and you start getting some results and some checks. All of a sudden, you don't mind doing it so much and your skill level improves. It's easier to do and then you do more of it and you're better at it, so on and so forth. The one thing shows up time and again in the lives of the successful because it's a fundamental truth. And the fundamental truth he's talking about is there are going to be a very small number of things that account for the vast majority of the results you're looking to achieve, right? It pops up all the time, everywhere, because it's just one of those truths. Harried and hurried, a nagging sense that we attempt too much and accomplish too little haunts our days. I was just talking about that a little earlier. I literally feel like even if I put in a 16-hour day and I killed it the whole day, and generally I don't feel like I did enough, right? I'm so impatient. I just want, you know, but that's just not how it works, right? It's not how it works. It's like uh, wishing gravity wasn't there, right? It's just, you know, you got you just got to do the things and um, do them in the right order. Do them every day and be patient, right? Whack away your lead domino. The one thing sits at the heart of success and is the starting point for achieving extraordinary results. So what he's talking about here is there are there is no mastery and there is no extraordinary results without dedicating what most people will call an obsessive or ridiculous amount of time on one, he would say one thing in the book, but in real life, it might be a few things over a lifetime, right? Like maybe five or six, um, a lot of things, right? But it takes a disproportionate amount of time. We're talking about those 10,000 hours in the book. Um, 
where that starts is your one thing. And the only way to get extraordinary results is to invest the time in those things, whatever those things are for you. The one thing becomes difficult because we've unfortunately bought into too many others. And more often than not, those other things muddle our thinking, misguide our actions, and sidetrack our success. So family obligations, right? Tradition. Maybe you want to start a business and you got a job or you're doing something your parents wanted you to do or whatever the reason, right? We have this, just these other things we think that are more important than our one thing. And they feel important when really they're not. You got to get your priorities back. All right. Chapter four. I feel like this one's going to crush all the fucking snowflakes out there. Equality is a lie. No, we're not talking about under the letter of the law where it should be, where we should all be equal. What they're talking about is we're not all born the same. We're not all born equal. Some of us are better than others. In fact, no matter how good you are at something, unless you're Michael Phelps listening to this right now, which is very unlikely, there is probably not just one or two, but millions of people better at it than you are and worse, right? We're not all... mm, you know, Magic Johnson or Michael Jordan or Bill Gates or Steve Jobs, right? Equality is a lie. We can't all do everything we want to do. We're not all going to accomplish our dreams. Life is filled with fucking losers. Losers who lost. That's that's the story they keep telling you, right? That the there there are no losers in life. That's a lie. There are lots of losers in life. You just look around, right? Equality is a lie. No such thing except under the letter of law, right? Or should be. Achievers always work from a clear sense of priority. This is back to Pareto's law and one thing again. There are some things always more important than other things. And the ones who tend to accomplish the most can set these priorities best. And they already know ahead of time, right? Pareto points us in a very clear direction. The majority of what you want will come from the minority of what you do. We've been talking about the whole time. I want you to go small by identifying the 20%. And then I want you to go even smaller by finding the vital few of the vital few. So this is where we're doing this exercise in a book where we try to get you to do your 80, 20 and then get your, get it down to 10, 90 and then five ninety five. And the point is on and on until you're just down to one thing. Right. And spend as much time. He recommends four hours working on your one thing and your one thing doesn't always stay the same. Right. Your one thing change. Your one thing changes all the time, but there's always one thing you need to accomplish. Right. It's like you do the same thing over and over to get your goal. Maybe some of you do. Right. There will always be just a few things that matter more than the rest. And out of those, one will matter the most. Doing the most important thing is always the most important thing. I think it was Young Buck, right? The main things keep the main thing the main thing, right? Some things are just more important than others, and the ability to tell the difference and distinguish between them and concentrate on them uh, is important. I have a few other things I'd like to say about this, but we actually get to it in the other chapters, right? Chapter five, um, multitasking is a lie. Now, I've known this for a long time because I don't know about you. I know how expensive it is going from task to task. I have a very difficult time concentrating on one thing. So I notice when I'm not 
And I know how much that derails me, right? So I've known it's a lie for a long time, but I felt like saying it again because you know when you're like stressed and harried and that party that wants to cut a corner, you think, well, I could just multitask this time. I'm just going to make an exception. I'm going to try. You convince your things. You try and convince your thing, yourself of things that aren't true in order to try and get the edge to get ahead, right? Like you can cheat your way. Like you can't pay the full bill. So I, I wrote that in there for myself. Maybe for you too, right? It's not that we have too little time to do all the things we need to do. It's that we feel the need to do too many things in the time we have. This is the impatience, right? Like I, I literally try and book my day as full as I possibly can. and still don't feel like it at the end. I'm going to have to change that. Task switching exact, exacts a cost. Few realize they're even paying. This is very true for me, especially if um, when I'm analyzing deals, I don't know. I can't handle distraction at all. And when I'm on the phone, don't even don't even talk to me. I get pissed. I just ignore the whole entire world, right? Because I know if I get sidetracked, dude, I might be gone for 45 minutes before I'm back on this thing, right? I just don't need that in my life. Uh, I try and minimize, and this is he's getting the time blocking. But this is where time blocking comes in, and um, where you set the time aside, you, you try not to let anybody disturb it. Why would we ever tolerate multitasking? when we're doing our most important work, right? Because our, our most important work shouldn't be interrupted by other people, by ourselves, by our phones, by whatever else we think is more important, even though we've already identified what is the most important. Chapter six, success is actually a short race, a sprint fueled by discipline just long enough for habit to kick in and take over. That's where he's talking about there's uh, discipline is not uh, – doesn't it doesn't go on forever. It runs out. It's like your gas tank, right? Uh, you need to apply it until you build the habit, and that's when you don't need the discipline forever. And you wouldn't want to be um, the kind of – you wouldn't want to be disciplined like that either. You don't need to be a disciplined person to be successful. In fact, you can become successful with less discipline than you think for one simple reason. Success is about doing the right thing, not about doing everything right. And I wrote this one in here for me because we all see people who aren't very good people with massive success, right? And they go, why? Why would bad people be successful? Because nobody gives a fuck, man. Success doesn't care if you're good or bad. Success is about doing the right thing, not doing everything right, right? There are rules to success is what he's talking about. If you do the right things, you will become successful, right? When you do the right thing, it can liberate you from having to monitor everything. This is back when he's talking about his lead domino, right? There are some things more important than others. And when you knock out the most important things, you could ignore or delay or handle all the chaos around you from the less important things, the more successful you are knocking down that lead domino and doing those things that are most important, right? You don't have to pay as close attention. No one actually has the discipline to acquire more than one powerful new habit at a time. How many people have done this? I've done this so many times. I'm changing all 18 things in my life right now. You're very likely to fail. The results suggest it takes an average of 66 days to acquire a new habit. 
And if you read along in the book, um, that's kind of like a, a median, I guess he went with average, right? Uh, some people it's less, some people it's more. It could take up to six months for some people. So if you're not, you know, this is just an average. It doesn't work if you do more. If you can do it in less time, that's cool, right? It's why those with the right habits seem to do better than others. They're doing the most important thing regularly, and as a result, everything else is easier. Um, Brian Tracy also had a book called Eat That Frog. It's kind of related to this too. Whatever, whatever that the most important thing is when you knock it out and you whack it out, right? First thing, right out of the gate, spend your first three, four hours a day working on these most important things. Um, everything else just tends to go better and it becomes a habit and then it becomes easier and you don't have to worry about all the other things. If you are what you repeatedly do, then achievement isn't an action you take, but a habit you forge into your life. And I just love that land forge. That's manly as fuck, right? You don't have to be manly to enjoy that. You could be a girl. It doesn't even matter. Right? I just imagine like a, uh, like a black shop and a blacksmith shop. And we're just working on it. Like we are the metal, right? And, but we're beating on ourselves or maybe we're being coached too, right? We're forging ourselves into what we want to be. And if you are what you repeatedly do, and achieving is an action you take, but a habit you forge into your life, right? All right. Chapter seven. Willpower is always on will call is a lie. This is like discipline. It's like gas. Willpower has a limited battery life. It's not endless. We act as though our supply of willpower were endless. It is not endless, right? It is a limited resource that must must be used smartly. One of the real challenges we have is that when our willpower is low, we tend to fall back on our default settings. So true, right? How many times have I lost weight and gained it back? How many times have you done that? You know, you stick with willpower, you go and then you run out and then you fall back on your default settings and you're right back where you were before. Um, that applies to lots of things too. So guilty as fuck of that, right? You can't just will it. You got to make it a habit. Do the patience of doing the one thing at a time and trying to do 18 things at a time. You know, when your most important work is done while your willpower once default will define your level of achievement. Average is often the result. So if you don't manage your willpower, and you have more willpower earlier in the day and significantly less later in the day, then you're probably going to be working against yourself. And most of the time, average is what you're going to get, right? The more we use our mind, the less minding power we have. You know, it's like uh, it's like working out. You work out pretty hard for an hour, hour and a half a day, you feel good. You work out 10 hours a day, you might be in bed for a week and you can't move, right? So the more you use your brain, the less willpower you have. Just use it up, man. So like any other limited but vital resource, willpower must be managed. What does that mean? That means whatever your lead domino is, whatever your one thing that day is, put it first and whack away at it when you have all your power available to you. And if you're going to peter-putter the fuck out on some shit, make sure it's at the end of the day and that shit doesn't matter, right? The dishes can wait. 
that bullshit email from your uncle can wait. Whatever it is you think is so fucking important can wait until your one thing is done. So if you want to get the most out of your day, do your most important work, your one thing early before your willpower is drawn down. Boom. Chapter eight. My initial thought was, what's wrong with me? Was I a loser? Apparently so. A balanced life is a lie. I love this too. This is something I hear. I have a lot of energy and something when you have a lot of energy and you do lots of things, and I'm not saying I'm doing all the the right things. I obviously, I don't think I am, or I'd be in a much different place, but I do have a lot of energy. And one of the things I hear all the time when you have this kind of energy, you need, you need balance in your life. Um, there's no such thing as balance. I don't know how I knew that. I just knew I knew that. Right. But I put it in here to remind myself, right. Cause I hear it all the time. You, you do too much, you, whatever. Right. I don't think I do too much. I think I do too much of the wrong shit. I need to be doing more of the right shit. Right. And the more of the right shit I do, the more success I'm going to have. So I don't need to do less of that. Time waits for no one. Push something to an extreme and postponement can become permanent. How many times have you done that? How many times have I done that? We've all done that, right? Time waits for no man or woman. Time waits for no one. And an effort to attend to all things. God, this is, this is so good. In an effort to attend to all things, everything gets shortchanged and nothing gets its due. You can't do everything. I feel like this applies more to certain people than others, right? This might be one of the difference in the sexes or whatever. In an effort to attend to all things, everything gets shortchanged and nothing gets due. This is also an inability to see what's most important. I think we're all susceptible to this, right? At least for periods. When everything seems just as important, this is when you need to take the time to figure out what actually is. Ask the question, what is the one thing I can do? By which doing it, everything else will be easier. You know, you got to ask yourself that question. The reason we shouldn't pursue balance is that the magic never happens in the middle. The magic happens at the extremes. Everything you want is on the other side of all that hard work done in the right order, working on the correct things. This is something the Marxists never understand. They just look at work as if all hard work were equal, and they never want to look at the results of the hard work. There are people that work ridiculously hard their entire life for a minimum wage or doing physical activities and die broke because they didn't do the right things in the right order, but they worked remarkably hard. When you gamble with your time, you may be placing a bet you can't cover. Even if you're sure you can win, be careful that you can live with what you lose. And this is something I think I'm still learning. I think we're all learning, right? But um, every time you say yes, you're saying no to everything else you could have done at that time, right? And sometimes you got to see what that costs you. Make sure you're okay with it. To achieve an extraordinary result, you must choose what matters most and give it all the time it demands. 
This requires getting extremely out of balance in relation to all other work issues with only infrequent counterbalancing to address them. Basically, it's the kind of shit that in a normal environment throws grenades into your personal life, your work life, your family life. You might be getting shit from your, your spouse, um, from your parents, from your, you know, maybe even your boss, right? Why aren't you, why aren't you doing this, this, and this when you're working on this? It's very, sometimes it is very difficult to explain to people who think everything is important. Why really only this one thing is important. Trust me on this one. You can hurt yourself trying to explain it to them until I get it. They just get it. But I wrote this here to remind myself about these kind of people to achieve an extraordinary result. You must choose what matters most and give it all the time. It demands all the time. When you act on your priority, you will automatically go out of balance, giving more time to one thing over another. There is no other option. There's only one of you and you can't multitask, right? Like me, I get impatient. I can try and do all these two things. You just can't. Your work life is divided into two distinct areas. What matters most and everything else. Chapter nine. Big is bad is a lie. I already knew that. Cause I knew Bill Gates out there trying to get rid of malaria. Right. And some people will paint him like he's trying some evil fuck. Right. They, why? Because big is bad. Corporations are bad. Why? Cause they're big. Government is bad. Why? Cause it's big. No one knows their ultimate ceiling for achievement. So worrying about it is a waste of time. This has never been me, but I wrote this here because I run and I deal with people and I coach some people where they're so afraid about what their ceiling is that they don't start. Like they don't want to find it. They're constantly looking for excuses to um, to not do things or to worry about it or to set their goals too low because they're afraid of failure, right? Nobody knows really what you can accomplish, so how about you not worry about it? So what if you fucking fail? Try again. You'll you'll eventually, you know, you do it 10 times and you fail, you might actually be right about it. But until then, what's the point of worrying about it? Thinking big is essential to extraordinary results. Success requires action and action requires thought. But here's the catch. The only actions that become springboards to succeeding big are those informed by big thinking to begin with, right? So first of all, is this, I like this one a lot. I'm very action oriented. I have a tendency maybe not to think things through as well as I should and do lots of stuff. Well, taking action is a good thing, but taking the wrong actions, especially actions that aren't well thought out. Well, that's not going to get you big shit just because you did a ton of stuff, right? You need to do, you need to take action. So you can't sit around thinking. So for everybody, and you know who you are. There's so many of you with analysis paralysis sitting out there. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. I'm going to do this. And I'm not, I'm going to start when I have the perfect plan. When the economy is better next spring, when my work schedule isn't as bad, when the kids get a little bit older, blah, the blah, the fucking blah. You got to do shit. And then for people like me, dude, you got to slow down and think about the shit you're about to do because you can go out there and do a ton of shit and not actually get what you want. So 
I have a problem with that, right? Just want to take all the action. Let's fuck. Let's go. What are we talking about? Let's go do it. We'll do it live. Both um, have problems, right? So if the big actions you want to take, you need to be thinking about them first. So you need to think big, then go do the big actions, right? Every level of achievement requires its own combination of what you do, how you do it, and who you do it with. And they all three got to work. I've done this several times, right? I had the right partner. I had the, the right resources. I wasn't ready, right? I, I'm ready. I have the right resources. Didn't have the right partner, right? You need all three to work, right? What you build today will either empower or restrict your tomorrow. This is more back to um, uh, do something, right? Make sure you line up your day and do something and saying, you need to say no to a lot of stuff to say yes, but be careful what you say yes and no to because they are going to affect your tomorrow. This is why you got to know your one thing. Don't fear failure. It's as much a part of your journey to extraordinary results as success. This was a huge one for me. I grew up with jackals who took any failure. I'm talking like falling off a bike, dropping a dish when you're five, like any failure as a personal failure, as a reflection upon you. Uh, That did not do well for me in my um, first two businesses. My fear of failure really didn't help me accept reality. And I didn't have a healthy attitude towards it rather than just, it's a failure. And this is something we need to analyze and improve. It really sent me into a depression and I thought I was a bad person and all these other things on top of it. They just weren't true, right? Adopt a growth mindset and don't be afraid of where it can take you. Extraordinary results aren't built solely on extraordinary results. They're built on failure too. In fact, it's mostly failure. So when I'm prospecting, 97.3% of the time I fail. That's right. I only succeed three and three quarters percentage of the time. This is over an annual basis. Sometimes it's higher. Sometimes it's lower. So I'm doing cold calls. I'm doing warm calls. I'm doing my prospecting. It is mostly failure. If I took all those as personal failures to get to the one, it's mostly failure. Success is mostly built on fucking shit up. The difference is you want to fuck it up fast, fuck it up small, fuck it up cheap, and have a good attitude about it, right? Only living big will let you experience your true life and work potential. Don't think so small. Unless what you want is small, right? We, we don't all don't have the same dreams, right? But what I'm saying is maybe you're limiting your thinking because you, you don't think you can or you're capable, or you don't know what your limit is. So rather than set yourself up to fail, you just go so small, you can't help. But uh, you, you're not likely to fail, but then you're not likely to succeed too. So whatever your thing is, go big on it. I learned that success comes down to this, being appropriate in the moments of your life. If you can honestly say, this is where I'm meant to be right now, doing exactly what I'm doing, then all the amazing possibilities for your life become possible. And I think I'm starting to get a taste of this. I'm starting to get it uh, get it together and, and know what my thing is instead of just doing all the things, right? I think one of the natural reactions to 
that a lot of us have is we don't know what we want to do or exactly how we want to do it. We do so much more because why should we limit our options, right? I'll just do them all. I'll just do all the things, especially when you have all this energy. It doesn't always work that way. You can't do all the things. Can't stay 20 forever. Can't stay 30 forever. Eventually, you're going to wear yourself out. You Got to put that energy in the right place, right? I'm going to read it again. This is where I'm meant to be right now, doing exactly what I'm doing. Then all the amazing possibilities for your life become possible. Chapter 10. The secret to getting ahead is getting started. The secret to getting started is breaking your complex, overwhelming tasks into small, manageable tasks and then starting on the first one. Why we don't teach this in elementary school is fucking beyond me. It's so simple and so basic, and I'm embarrassed to say I didn't even learn this shit to my mid-30s, right? It's as simple as what do I want to accomplish? What is your big goal? Okay, let's say I want to um, run a marathon. All right, what is the longest amount of time I can run a marathon and still qualify? All right, they have cutoff limits, right? You're going to be out there for 15 hours. All right. So I have to finish 26.2 miles in 15 hours. I can't even currently run one mile right now. So we need to break this down, right? And you just work these things backwards till what do I need to do in the next eight months to run this? All right. What do I need to do in the next week to do this? What do I need to do today to do this? It's actually a very simple thing. And a lot of you are like, yeah, you were taught, taught that, but Many of us were not. Answers come from questions, and the quality of any answer is directly determined by the quality of the question. Yeah, shitty questions, you're going to get uh, shitty answers. One of the most important moments in my life came when I realized life is a question, and how we live it is our answer. How we phrase the questions we ask ourselves determines the answers that eventually become our life. Yeah. Anyone who dreams of an uncommon life eventually discovers there's no choice but to seek an uncommon approach to living it. And this will probably cause problems in your life. Very few people want an uncommon common life. Um, this is one of the reasons why I like networking. This is why I have networking goals. This is why I like hanging out with people doing the same things I'm doing and or people doing the things I want to do in the future, right? This is why I don't want to be hanging around people like, nah, quit early, go home. Yeah, why are you doing that? Why don't you just go get a pension and rely on social security? Well, do you really need to do that? You know, so-and-so did it and he didn't even have to do that. That's not healthy. You, you, it's an un, you need some balance in your, you, hear, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Chapter 11. Start with the big stuff and see where it takes you. I like chapter 11 a lot because I get sometimes, not just me, right? Other people, I don't know what, what they don't know what they want to do. How do I get started? Where do I start? Maybe you don't know. Start big. Go small. Recruit support. Research shows that those around you can influence you tremendously. Stop hanging out with fucking losers. All right? All those loser friends from high school that aren't going anywhere, fucking cut them, man. 
Get rid of them. Um, college friends, coworkers. In fact, go out and find someone who you want to be. Hang out with them. Start a success support group with some of your work colleagues. Uh, this can help and inspire all of you to practice the success habit every day. Get your family involved. I would say it depends on your family too. See if you can get your family involved. Share your one thing. Um, get them all on board. Use the focusing question around them to show them how the success habit can make a difference in their schoolwork, their personal achievements, or any other parts of their lives. I would say um, for that, for sure, um, make sure that like parent, if you're a parent or whatever. Um, also, this is where I think the networking part comes in too, right? Do a bunch of networking. Make sure you're hanging out with positive uh, people, getting shit done. And you're not hanging out with losers, whether that's your family or your friends. Maybe you need new family. Maybe you need new friends. I'll let you decide that. But like crabs in a bucket, don't let the people around you pull you down. And don't you be that person either. Maybe you are that person. Maybe you're the person who always said no to everything. That's a bad idea. Shit on everything. Thinks everything's a fucking bad idea, right? Never have anything nice to say about any of it ever. Maybe you should stop being that person. In the meantime, cut those people loose, man. Chapter 12. Extraordinary results require a great answer. And a great answer is essentially a new answer. And this is so true, right? When I got in a bunch of shit with my last um, business, things weren't going well. I I wasn't making great decisions. I continued not to make great decisions because the thinking that gets you to where you are isn't always the thinking that'll get you to where you need to be. Often, you need to think differently. And the answer is probably different than what you've done before. The research and experience of others is the best place to start when looking for your answer. This man, especially, this is so true. I used to think, I'm sure a bunch of young males out there, I'm not that young anymore, right? But I know from a young male perspective, you know everything, you can figure it out. You got all this endless energy. Well, apply that to some books, do some research. There are some really smart people out there who figured out a ton of shit that would save you a lot of time, and you can save that energy and apply it appropriately to the things that aren't so certain, right? But there's lots of things that you can do better just by reading somebody else who's figured out how to do it better, right? Steve Jobs did a pretty fucking bang-up job. If you want to get into the phone designing business or, the, I guess, marketing for him more than anything, right, marketing business and how – how you can sell so few things and make so much fucking money. That would be a good place to start, right? He also showed us uh, how beauty, um, beautiful things should matter. That not all that these things in our lives don't just have to be utilitarian, right? That wasn't really uh, an answer before. It wasn't there. So anyway, I digress. Research it first is what I'm saying. Um, you're not a special Unless you're Elon Musk, right? But there's so few Elon Musk, Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, Marie Curie's. There's just so few of these people. You're probably not it. So even if you are it, maybe you should confirm it and go do some research first. And if that doesn't help, then yeah, you are. 
but probably it's going to help, right? You're looking for the next thing you can do in the same direction that the best performers are heading or and after, if necessary, in an entirely new direction. Sometimes a lot of pioneers don't make it, right? Kind of like the analogy of going out west. You know, a lot of people didn't make it. The ones who did, not everyone did well, and then some of them did really well. And we hear the stories about all the ones that did really well. You don't hear the stories about the ones who didn't make it and the ones who didn't do very well. It's a lot easy to be second or third in that situation than it is to be first. And so many people don't make it trying to be first. They don't ever end up being second or third because it just wipes them out. You just got to know if that's you or not, right? I think modeling behavior and finding someone who's done it better for you is always the place to start. Once you get, you know, of course, get your ego under control, <laughs> it could be a little challenging, especially if you're a young male, but I know this problem happens to everybody. Get your ego out of the way. Go see if other people are doing it better. Start there and then destroy everybody. A new answer usually requires a new behavior. So don't be surprised if along the way to sizable success, you change in the process. But don't let that stop you. I hear this too. Jeremy, you changed. Yes, I did. I'm not a fucking loser anymore. I'm not. I don't want to be. I don't like these results. I'm not going to do the same thing. I'm going to do different things. The same people who say you're doing too much. Man, fuck you. I'm trying to get shit done. Now I just need to do more of the right things. The most productive people are. The more productive people are, the more purpose and priority are pushing and driving them. This is so true. When you know why you're doing something and you have a very compelling reason for doing it, it is very easy to be productive. When you're sitting in a cubicle, like an office space, did you get that memo about the TPS reports? Like, oh, fuck my life. I'm going to go hang myself in the bathroom, right? Don't do that. Just get another job. And 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 move out there. It is extremely difficult to be motivated in that situation. But what if you had, uh, you know, eight kids at home? All of a sudden, you're working a little harder despite the fucking TPS reports, right? Your why is a lot clearer. Maybe you need this for a down payment or something. Anyway, point is, you know the purpose. You have the priority. Your production is going to be a lot greater. So spend some time on your why. Great businesses are built one productive person at a time. And you notice how to say productive. It doesn't say anybody about liking it, being related, you know, how well you know the person. Productive people getting shit done make businesses happen. People that aren't productive are not making it happen, right? Chapter 13. Live with purpose, live by priority, live for productivity. It's a very challenging thing to do, I think. I think if I certainly have no comment on this, I think it's something to strive towards. Who we are and where we want to go determine what we do and what we accomplish. A life lived on purpose is the most powerful of all and happiness. It's so easy to get stuck on autopilot. They're just years of my life I spent on autopilot where I just woke up. I did the same thing. I didn't give it any thought. I just did it because it was the habit and it was something I was comfortable with and I didn't change or do anything else. 
until I became so uncomfortable that staying the same was actually harder than changing. That is not the way to go through life, right? I wasn't happy doing that. I wasn't accomplishing anything significant doing that. If you know what I'm talking about, you probably didn't either. There is no secret. It is simply made up of human desire. This is when he's talking about the bowl where this king was trying to fill this beggar's bowl. And the beggar's bowl, you know, beggar's bowl represented human desire and that human desire is infinite and that human desire ultimately counts for shit. It can never be satisfied except through accomplishment. So nobody can give you accomplishments. You actually have to go out and do it, right? So if you think your desire, I have all this desire, it's just so important, right? go and do some shit, man. Happiness begins on the way to fulfillment. Okay, you know, Becoming more engaged is what we do by finding ways to make our life more meaningful is the surest way to finding lasting happiness, right? We need a big why. Need a why worth being productive and having priorities for. I believe that financially wealthy people are those who have enough money coming in without having to work to finance their purpose in life. So not just pay your bills, but whatever your purpose in life is, right? Time brings clarity. This is the one thing I actually enjoy about getting older. And if you find you don't like it, you can always change your mind. It's your life. Uh, this this hits me in two ways, right? First of all, I've been doing this a lot more. When in doubt, I just apply some time. I'll just do it and apply some time and see how I feel about it later. I'm not sure. Joe sits down to me and says, Jeremy, X, Y, and Z, you should be doing X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, ah, I give him resistance. And I finally just, you know, I adopt a new attitude. Well, you know, I don't know. Why don't I just fucking try it? Why don't I just try it for six months and see how I like it? If I don't like it, I can just go back. What is the harm in doing this thing for six months, right? I find this especially important if my um, if I object, the, the more forcefully I object to something, right? If I have a defensive reaction to it, then I'm like, well, maybe I should just consider it and try it first and then see. And I can always change my mind later. I'm not stuck doing it forever. Um. And also, that's another thing. Just because we make a decision doesn't mean we can't make another decision. If we don't know, sometimes the way you figure it out is by doing it and seeing if you like it. So it says sitting around like, oh, man, you know, if you narrow it down to a couple things, just do a few things for a while and see how you like it. Then move on. Chapter 14, purpose without priority is powerless. It's an ordinary occurrence, oddly named hyperbolic discounting the farther away a reward is in the future the smaller the immediate motivation to achieve it and this one he's talking about in the book about the marshmallow the marshmallow test where he put the marshmallow in front of the kids and said hey if you can wait these minutes um we can give you we'll give you two marshmallows or you could just eat this one and have the one marshmallow and the vast majority of the children ate the one marshmallow and now it's starting to sound like your life and everybody else's life, right? Um, especially in the now culture, 
where you can get so many things so immediate, just immediately. Some of these things that we do take years to accomplish. So I think this is what he's talking about too. And a purpose without priority is powerless. Sometimes, man, we need some priority with our purpose. It just takes a long time to get there. And, um, the further away the reward is in the future, the harder time we're going to have achieving it. So let's see if you can't break those rewards down into small rewards too. Give yourself some daily rewards, some weekly rewards, some smaller things to keep you going because you're train because you're training your mind how to think, how to connect one goal with the next over time until you know the most important thing you must do right now. You're learning how to think big, but go small. And what does he mean by that? Well, take your big thing and break it down small things, break it down to one thing. So you always know what your one thing is and just work on your one thing until it's done until your next one thing, right? That's what he's talking about. That's how you take a big goal and break it down into your, what should I do in the next 15 minutes or the next hour? Fast forward over time, you're Elon Musk putting humans on the fucking Mars, right? Or landing a satellite on a comet. That just wasn't one person. I mean, this was, if you add it up, I don't know how many thousands of man hours, not even the money. I mean, it's probably multiple lives when you add up all the hours together that went into landing a sat. It wasn't a satellite, some sort of probe, right? On a, on a comet that's moving through space, an amazing achievement that took years of planning and accomplishment built on the backs of, People who have been dead and long gone for a long time, that took some training, that took some management, and that took a lot of motivation in between, right? That was literally multiple lives. Some projects are like that. And what he's talking about here is the next point, right? Connect today to all your tomorrows. It matters. If you're only thinking about today, you got, you got to tie it in, right? Whatever this big thing is. You got to try and tie it into every day. So you do it every day because that's the only way it ever gets done. And once you know what to do, the only thing left is to go from knowing to doing. That's not so hard, right? Chapter 15. Productive action transforms lives. Now, one of the things that annoyed me about this book was how simple it was written. But one of the things I really liked about this book is how simple it was written. You can't read the book or listen to me reading the book or listen to me right now going over the book and expect anything to happen. You got to get out and do some shit. The only thing that changes lives is doing things, doing the right things. You can go out and do a lot of wrong things, but you need to do the right things. Productive action transforms lives. So if you're looking to transform your life, get off the fucking couch and go do some shit. Yet productive is exactly what Scrooge was. And there's no better word than productivity to describe what you want from what you do when the outcome matters. There's tons of things you can do. You can go out and work 18 hours a day at some evil shit and be really great at it. Or, like I was talking about before, you can be a ditch digger your whole life, work really, really fucking hard, and not have much to show for it. Got to do the right things. In the end, putting together a life of extraordinary results simply comes down to getting the most out of what you do when what you do matters. 
should say what you do matters to you, right? And the most important thing I've learned from these experiences is that the most successful people are the most productive people. That's because it's um, small things that happen over long periods of time. And the more productive you are doing the right things, you know, these are going to be statistically the more successful people, the most successful people. If disproportionate results come from one activity, then you must give that one activity disproportionate time. This is like the employee culture. Did you get that memo? Dude, I'm trying to sell some shit, all right? Ultimately, that's how all this stuff works. Resting is as important as working. I need to take this to heart. I need to rest more, right? We can't just use up our body. Our body is not endless either. The key to making this work is to block times as early in your day as you possibly can. My recommendation is to block four hours a day. This isn't a typo. I repeat, four hours a day. Honestly, that's a minimum. If you can do more, do it. So whatever your one thing is, and you narrow it down to 20%, then narrow it down to 10%, narrow it down to 5%, and you got down to like three and you picked one. Whatever that one thing is, and it's not necessarily the same thing every day. Um, yeah, you got to work on it, man. To experience extraordinary results, be a maker in the morning and a manager in the afternoon. And this is him going back again when he's talking about um, how discipline and um, mindfulness. It's just not there all the time, right? You start in the morning, you start with a full gas tank of that stuff. And by the end of the day, you're on empty, you run on fumes, but you put the important shit first, you know? Let all the dumb shit run on fumes, right? Block an hour each week to review your annual and monthly goals. I have no idea how I'm going to do this, but I need to do this, right? That, and this goes back to what we all learn from productivity. What gets measured improves. If you don't measure it, you, you can't say it's improving because you don't actually know. You can say, I think it's improving. It might be improving. I don't know. I haven't measured. There is magic in knocking down your most important domino day after day. That feeling you get when you're fucking rocking shit and you know you're doing the important shit. You're not just crossing shit off on a checklist of unimportant things that ultimately don't matter. See if you can't cultivate an attitude of until my one thing is done, everything else is a distraction. I, like the rest of you fucks, I'm working progress on this. Day in and day out. Your, what is it? Day in and day out. You need to do other things instead of your one thing. Your need to do other things instead of your one thing may be your biggest challenge to overcome. It's always a challenge, right? Because usually we fear that thing. Maybe you don't want to fail. But you remember, remember we were talking about that uh, success isn't just built on success. Built on piles of failure too, right? They're inextricably linked. You can't separate one from the other. The people who achieve extraordinary results don't achieve them by working more hours. Not necessarily, right? 
They achieve them by getting more done in the hours they work. Chapter 16. The three commitments to your one thing. Follow the path of mastery. So 10,000 hours he's talking about whatever, you know, whatever you're mastering, the one thing you need to spend a ridiculous amount of time on move from E to P number three, live the accountability cycle, right? So whatever your entrepreneurial activity is, make that something productive that you can do. Make yourself accountable to it. Maybe you need to get accountability partner. I had to. It's not a random number. That's the amount of time you need to time block every day for your one thing. This is the four hours he's talking about. More than anything else, expertise tracks with hours invested. Yeah, there is something called talent. And I think I have it written down here somewhere else, but if I don't, oh yeah, it's, it's the next, it's the next thing. (laughs) Time on task over time eventually beats talent every time. No matter how much you suck at something, if you invest time at, you're going to be better. And a lot of the people that we call talented actually probably weren't. They just invested 10,000 hours into doing it. And the pursuit of mastery bears gifts. It's funny how you spend all this time working on one thing. It kind of pours over into other parts of your life. Knowledge begets knowledge and skills build on skills. It's what makes future dominoes fall more easily. That's the whole idea, why you came up with the domino, right? You knock the first one down and it helps you knock the next one down. And pretty soon you got a lot of momentum. A lot of things just start dropping. The path of mastering something is a combination of not only in the best you can do it, but the best it can be done. Those two aren't necessarily one and the same, right? And he's talking about here, he's talking about attitude, right? So sometimes you're like, well, I'm doing it the best I can. And somebody says, was that really the best that can be done? Eh, yeah, they're not necessarily the same thing. You should look at both. Taking complete ownership of your outcomes by holding no one but yourself responsible for them is the most powerful thing you can do to drive your success. And this was a real problem with me for years. So it's somebody else's fault. I could always blame somebody else. I, I also recommend a good book on this, Extreme Ownership. Um, it's definitely male-centric <laughs> by Jocko Willink and Leif Babin, two retired Navy SEALs, killed more men than smallpox. I think we could send them over there and take care of ISIS by themselves. Anyway, these are real. These are that book really, really, really did help me. If you always find if it's if you find yourself saying that was somebody else or somebody else did this to you, blah 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 blah, and it's just never you, and you're just some poor victim. You, something you might want to consider. Accountable people are results oriented and never defend actions, skill levels, models, systems. Or relationships that just aren't getting the job done. Obviously, it's very difficult and that's a stretch goal, especially when it comes to relationships. And again, this is one where you find yourself getting really defensive. You probably need to listen to it more. Not necessarily just you know adopt it immediately, but consider it more. Right? Apply that time we were talking about earlier. Accountable people achieve results others only dream of. 
It's an attitude. If it's up, if it's to be, it's up to me. It's not up to somebody else. Stop talking about all the shit you don't have. All the help you didn't get. Go out and do it, man. Circumstances won't change by themselves. So let's get on with it. This is just more, I like this part of the attitude. I don't have a problem with this. I don't think I have, uh, um, circumstances won't change by themselves. You have to do things to make it change, right? Highly successful people are clear about their role in the events of their life. They don't fear reality. They seek it, acknowledge it, and own it. This is a real problem I had for a long time. You know, when you try and pretend things that aren't true, you know, I didn't necessarily I didn't purposely do it in business. I did it in my personal life. It was like a way to, um, I don't know, like a Band-Aid over. Like it worked really well when you're young. But the funny thing about business and in a semi-capitalist society is um, the market doesn't give a fuck what you think or how good you think your idea is or isn't or whose fault it is. If the market doesn't like the idea, sooner or later, the reality is going to kick in the front door. Right. So you can't ignore it. So that's one thing I like about business a lot. It's just impossible to ignore. If you stick around long enough, they will let you know, seek out reality. Sometimes you got to get some uh, independent um, or as best you can people you trust, some some people to come in from the outside and tell you too. chapter 17, the four thieves of productivity, inability to say no. You got to say no to lots of shit. No. One of the things in the book he talks about is, is, is this whatever the thing is, right? Does this help me with my one thing? If the answer is no, push it off. Maybe you can't say no because it's your boss. Okay, can it wait? All right, it can't wait. Well, I'll do it outside my one thing, right? No, it can't wait. Can somebody else do it besides me? No. Okay, now I'm going to do it. At least you went through a checklist, right? Fear of chaos. Don't fear it. He's talking about in the book, when you focus on your one thing, you spend all this time doing this one thing, all this other shit builds up and doesn't get done. And one of the things that can derail you is thinking that this stuff actually has to get done or it's more important than the stuff that you are getting done. And this is fear of chaos. Also, poor health habits, right? It's like you don't maintain a car, but you drive it hard all the time. I think he talked about in the book race engines, like uh, I think, I can't remember, where he's talking about high-performance race engines need to be rested and cooled. Your body needs to be exercised and you need to eat healthy food. Um, and your environment doesn't support your goals. If you're hanging around a bunch of losers who aren't ever getting anything done, ever, or always have shit, nasty shit to say to you, or when you're going to do all these hard things, why don't you, do, why don't you just come out and hang out with us instead instead of going into the office and putting some extra hours, instead of writing some extra offers, instead of putting together some more yellow letters, instead of cold calling some more, right? And they're like, yeah, do you really need to work that hard? Maybe you need to come out. Or it's stupid. How many times have you heard that, right? It's stupid. It's waste your time. When you say yes to something, it's imperative that you understand what you're saying no to. Yeah, because a yes is a no to everything else, right? And a no is yes to your one thing. So make sure they they apply. We can't please everyone, so don't try. I don't have a problem with that. A lot of people do. 
I put it in there just to remind myself, right? One of the greatest thieves of productivity is the unwillingness to allow for chaos or the lack of creativity in dealing with it. Again, you spend all this this disproportionate time on these one, two, or three things, and the other 97 things pile up. It's not that important. Deal with it. You know, when you strive for greatness, chaos is guaranteed to show up. You have to get extremely out of balance a lot of times, right? That's going to fuck some shit up. High achievement and extraordinary results require big energy. The trick is learning how to get it and keep it. It's only when you make time for extraordinary results that you get the chance to show up. Show up. There's got to be room in your life to focus on your one thing. And if your answer is, I don't have time, I would say go back and start on page one. I think you actually put that in the book. I think it was somewhere in chapter 17 or 18. If you don't get this now, you need to stop, go back to the beginning and start again. <laughs> it's like, what a dickhead. But I loved it too. It was like, oh shit, guess I'm going back to the beginning. Can't tell you how many times I read this book. It's only when you make time for extraordinary results that get the chance to show up. The highly productive person's daily energy plan. Number one, meditate and pray for spiritual energy. Number two, eat right, exercise, and sleep sufficiently for physical energy. Number three, hug, kiss, and laugh with loved ones for emotional energy. Four, set goals, plan, and calendar for mental energy. Five, time block your one thing for business energy. Your environment must support your goals. Might be up to you to sell them too, right? You shouldn't just uh, necessarily think, don't just be getting rid of everybody just because they're not immediately on board with your goals, right? Maybe you're, you got some fucking stupid goals and these people are right and they're trying to help you, right? But uh, put together an argument. See if you can't sell them on the idea before you just uh, uh, cut them loose. But if they're not supporting you, they got to go. No one succeeds alone and no one fails alone. Pay attention to the people around you like crabs in a bucket. There's a lot more failure than there is success and a lot of people... A lot. I can't tell you how many people want you to fail. And they want you to fail because they failed. What I've learned is that when you clear the path to success, that's when you consistently get there. And this is like a micro lesson I learned in the Navy. But I had a chief who seems very silly, but always taught me, uh, prepare for the next day. It's something I still do most of the time. I'm not perfect at it. But I set up my clothes the night before. I pack my bag the night before. Um, When I'm really on, and I haven't been as of late, I also um, plan my day out the day before, right? That way, when I wake up in the morning, I already know what I need to do, and I don't need to waste any time doing it or getting ready. I can just wake up and do the things I need to do. Now, he didn't say it like that. He was talking about you're never late if you're prepared. That was his thing. So even you sleep through your alarm and you're 15 minutes late, if all your shit is laid out from the night before and you're all ready to go, you're far less likely to be late. You have 
when you plan for success, when you set things up to work, automate the things you need to automate, things are far more likely to go well because things don't typically go well. So the better prepared you are, it's like having a spare tire, right? Driving down the road, you get a flat. Oh, guess what? I know what to do here. I'm prepared. I made sure ahead of time I had a flat and a jack and a tire iron so I know what to do. I'm going to do it. Or maybe it's AAA for you, right? Then you're back on the road. Same thing here is what they're talking about, right? You got to plan for it. Manage your energy. Don't sacrifice your health by trying to take on too much. Your body is an amazing machine, but it doesn't come with a warranty. You can't trade it in and repairs can be costly. It's important to manage your energy so you know what you must do. Achieve what you want to achieve and live the life you want to live. You only got this one body. Although science is doing some cool shit. Um, you only got this one body, man. Take care of it. Take care of it. Chapter 18. Your life is like this. You don't get a fully matured one. You get a small one and the opportunity to grow it if you want to. That's when he's talking about how he planted apple trees and you can't buy a fully mature producing apple tree. You have to buy a younger tree and you plant it. You got to wait for it to mature and you got to take care of it. You got to prune it. Well, your life's like that too. A life worth living might be measured in many ways, but the one way that stands above all others is living a life of no regrets. And he was talking about in the book, as for all those people who maybe cheated, didn't read the rest of it or didn't listen to it, didn't remember how they interviewed a certain number of people who were very near death. And constantly, it wasn't so much the things they did do, it's the things they didn't do. They wished they'd worked harder. They wished they'd spent more time with their friends and family. They wished they'd done the things they wanted to do instead of the things their parents wanted to do. Basically, they had tons of regrets at the end of their life. I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. That's a quote right from the book from one of the people. When you don't know what matters most, anything makes sense. The best lives aren't led this way. It's like the autopilot we're talking about or living somebody else's life. My mom wanted me to be a doctor. I want to dance. And then two at the end, I really loved that I just put in. And this wasn't from chapter 18. It's like in the epilogue or whatever. But I kind of lumped them in chapter 18 just to remind myself. Success is an inside job. Stop blaming other people. It's all on you. And uh, you are the first domino. So the only way all the rest of those thing, things, uh, those dominoes fall is you uh, whack away at it until your first one's done. Then all the momentum happens, right? And that's the end, folks. So what do you think? I kind of liked it. I'm going to do more of this, I think. Um, I think it really helped me. It got me to read a book in a way I don't normally read a book. I really had to pay attention. I had to take notes, all these things. I think uh, helping you helps me. So I'm going to keep doing that. So I think in the spirit of that, I'm going to start the shift next week by Gary Keller. Yeah, no, Gary Keller's not Jesus, but uh, I'm a realtor. I'm trying to become a better realtor. So this is what I'm doing now. I think a lot of this stuff applies. Um, after the shift, I'm going to do the millionaire real estate investor though. So stick around for that. 
Also, maybe you have some ideas about books you want me to um, read, potentially. Are we going to do like a, we do a, re, a read-along study and review? You know what I'm saying? Do this shit together, man. Maybe you guys help me knock my lead domino down. I'll help you knock your lead domino down. We'll get ahead. So if you enjoy this podcast and you like it, help a brother out, man. Go rate and review on iTunes. If you haven't done it yet, just go fucking do it, please. Don't make me ask you every week. It really does help. I really do appreciate it. I know they make it a pain in the ass to do. That being said, please do it. Also, share the podcast, which I know a ton of you are doing, and I really do appreciate it. I'm just... There might be some of you who are not sharing the podcast. If you do it from the Renegade Troy Investor um, Facebook page or you tag me in it, however, um, I just want to say thank you. And if you do it and I don't say and I don't see you doing it, thank you. I really do appreciate you sharing it. It's it's how the podcast grows. So it's not a small thing. It seems like it's one of those things that that is like the one thing, right? Disproportionate thing. This is such a small thing. These two small things you guys can do. It would really, really help me out. So rate and review on iTunes and share the podcast if you enjoy it and you find it helpful. If you don't, don't do it, all right? If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, go to renegadedetroit.com. If you're interested in attending any local meetings, go to meetup.com forward slash renegadedetroitinvestors or facebook.com forward slash Detroit Investment Club. You can hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at Jeremy Burgess. I'm on Snapchat at Jeremy A. Burgess. And I'm on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash user forward slash Detroit wholesalers. All right. And as I wrap up this podcast, I do want to take a moment to encourage you to take the steps you need to become financially independent. I do this shit every week, man. I'm serious about this. I don't care how old you are. I don't care what happened. Just do it. Pick some goals. I don't care how small they are. Stick with it. Don't give up. Do something every day that gets you closer, even if it's one step. And thank you for listening. I really do appreciate your attention. I know you guys and gals could be doing lots of different things right now, and you chose to listen to this podcast. Thank you. And until the next podcast, crush it.